Well, I'm excited today. I'm going to be speaking to all of our campuses, and we are connecting right now to, of course, our online campus all over the world. Our friends in Normandy, France are watching, and in Israel, all over the world, and everybody right across the United States and all of our Wave Church family who are online. Can we just one more time? I want you to know we're conscious that all of you are with us. Our Richmond campus, our Richmond downtown campus, our Wilson campus, our Seaboard Road campus, our Norfolk campus are with us. we got a very special guest just visiting with us today, and I want to just welcome him, get him to come and say hi. The governor of Virginia, Glenn Lunkin. Glenn Youngkin is in the house, along with his son, and I just want you to come and just say hi. Can we welcome our governor? Well, good morning, Wave Church. So I have been wanting to come worship with you all, and it just so happened on 4th of July weekend, my oldest son Grant and I are just down here hanging out together, and we thought we'd come to church with you this morning. So thank you for letting us come. So I just have three quick thoughts. First of all, thank you. Thank you for all of the prayers that come from Wave Church. I want you to know that I am forever grateful and I feel a hedge of protection around my family and what we're doing. And so thank you because your prayers are answered in my life every day. And so thank you, it's amazing, thank you. Second of all, this weekend is a weekend we celebrate the birth of our nation, the greatest nation ever in the world. And I, you know, even Australia, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. American. I know, I know. You chose, thank you. So this weekend, let's just remember two things. One, this amazing document, the Declaration of Independence that was, that was initially signed yesterday and put into action on the 4th is a document that actually it actually defines two most important things that one, that all men are created equal, not born equal, but created equal. How cool is that? How cool is that? We're created equal. And then that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. It's about him, not government. It's about him. Let's just remember that this weekend. And finally, when you see someone who has served our nation and has continued to serve our nation in our military, say thank you. Say thank you. Freedom is not free. Thank you so much for letting me come worship. I loved the worship at the beginning. Thank you. God bless you. And I'm going to go back over here and pray a little. So thank you all. Come on, let's thank you, Governor. Amen. Oh, God is good, isn't he? Um, I just, I tell you, I love what God is doing in Wave Church. And it's summer. Anybody enjoying the weather? I honestly, if I could have one answered prayer, this would be it. That winter was only January and February. It can be as cold as it wants to be, but it needs to go away after. Have I got any friends? Praise the Lord. Who loves winter? Let me see if you love winter. You are very sick people. Ah, <laughs> oh, praise God. All right, we're going to let all of our kids and all of our royal youth head on out. Give them a big cheer as they go. We love royal youth. We love our kids. I think this is my first time being at Wave Church on a Sunday for about four weeks. Um, Cheryl and I went to New Zealand. We prayed for... Pastor Paul DeYoung and his wife Marie, who pastor Life Church, and we were there part of a major celebration, the largest church in New Zealand. And uh, there was a handover from Paul DeYoung to, to his son, Luke DeYoung. And we got to be part of that official handing over ceremony, spoke on that weekend, and it was a rare privilege to be able to do that. Then from there, we flew to Sydney, Australia, got to see Sharon's grandmother again. 100 years old. We saw her twice in one year. How good's that? And I think she's going to live to 102. That's what I think. 
Um, she's as feisty as ever. She, <laughs> oh, I won't even, I, don't get me started. Um, we, we're sure she's going to heaven. I don't think God's ready for her. And then I realized, I looked at Sharon, I said, honey, you are so going to outlive me. You have those genes in you. Please. And then she started to cry. Sharon, no, you can't. I, I, you're telling me you're going to die? And I went, well, we're all going to die someday. I mean, so some days I think she wants me to go to heaven. <laughs> all right. Proverbs 27, verse 12. Fourth of July weekend. I know this time of year, a lot of people are on vacation. There's also happens to be a lot of visitors that are visiting. So if you are visiting Wave Church, you're here on vacation, you're visiting. Uh, matter of fact, if you're visiting, put your hand in there. We want to say hi to you all over the place. Now, come on, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I do this all the time. I've never once missed it. Is anybody visiting from the state of Texas? There's always a state of Texas visitor. Every single time there is a visitor from the state of Texas and we've got him working. I see he's got one of our headsets on. So I don't know how that happened, but well done. Okay. Pray. Anybody visiting from Florida? Anybody trying to get away from the humidity of Florida? Amen. That's a good place. Anybody visiting from New York? Yes, James Monaco is visiting from New York. I always say New York is a great place to visit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. James, good to see you, by the way. This guy is crushing it up there in New York in, in so many ways, and Broadway, and music, and songwriting, and just, I mean, just amazing. So proud of you. Don't, we've never forgotten you're a son of the house, James, I promise you, and I boast on you many, many times. As we do, by the way, Mark Williams, I heard, was with us last Sunday, who just signed a contract in the NBA from Duke University. He's been our church since he's one year old. He's seven foot six. Seven. No, seven foot one. His wingspan is seven foot seven. <laughs> Everybody's seven foot seven around Josh. <laughs> Proverbs 27, verse 12. The prudent, oh wait, I gotta switch. The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. I love this verse. It's been in my spirit now for probably two or three months and just been just meditating on it. It's a verse that frankly, I just felt like God spoke to me, for me. But the longer I've just thought about it, meditated on it, I felt the Lord wanted me to share with you a few insights that I have got or gained just from this single verse. Just one verse in the Bible. The Bible is full of wisdom. The Bible has so much, so many answers to everything that's going on in everyday life. If you'll just read it. If you'll actually bring your Bible with you to church. If you'll read your Bible. Amen. I, I saw on, instant, uh, on Instagram this week. Uh, one of my good friends, Darlene Check, she and her husband pastor an amazing church in Sydney, Australia, and they had a staff meeting, and one of their pastors forgot to bring their Bible like this, not on a phone, Bible to a staff meeting. So he had to do 10 push-ups in front of all the staff because he didn't bring his Bible. I wonder today, if, if you didn't bring your Bible, how many of you would need to do 10 push-ups? Okay, we gotta, we're in church, we need to bring the Word of God. Amen. But we need to bring it more to church, we need to bring it in our lives. We need to read it and make sure it's a part of our everyday life. Amen? So listen to what it says. I want you to catch it. The prudent see danger and take refuge. Let me put it to you like this. The prudent see danger and do something. They do something about the danger they see. But the simple... Keep going and pay the penalty. Another translation puts it this way. The wise see danger ahead and avoid it. I like that translation. The wise see danger ahead and they avoid it. But fools keep going and get in trouble. I like this verse. The dictionary meaning of the word 
uh, you know, prudent means somebody who takes action or somebody who is showing care for the future. Um, when I looked up some examples of what prudent means, um, illustrations are given. Here's one. An illustration of a lending institution won't lend someone money unless they believe the person can pay it back. That's be common sense, wouldn't it? Of course, we do that with student loans and colleges every day. That's another story. But the prudent see danger. Amen? And they take refuge. Uh, the word here, prudent, means a person who is foreseeing. They're able to see into the future. Uh, I like it because it says, or a wise man. So I started thinking about what are the different words that the Bible uses in different translations to describe this man who was prudent. And the most common word is wise. Or another translation says, a cunning man. Do you know the Bible says, would it be as cunning as a serpent and as gentle as a dove? Sometimes I think some Christians are as cunning as a dove and as gentle as a serpent. A cunning man, or another translation puts it this way, a sensible man. And here's one, a cautious man. Not a fearful man, but a man who is cautious. He will take his time and make sure he's being careful about anything that's coming. So let me show you what Jesus talked about, what a wise man looks like. Because the most repeated word of all the translations is wise. Matthew 7. It says, therefore, verse 24, Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Everybody say wise man. Who built his house upon the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, it beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So I guess my thought is this. They're, both were builders. Both had vision to build a house. Are you hearing me? One said, I see in the future... There will be storms. Because I see there's danger in the future, I will be careful where and how I build my life. Because they're not here yet, but they will come. There will be storms. Storms are inevitable. Are you hearing me? And so I will think about, because I see danger coming, I will build my house, my life, in such a way that if all hell breaks loose on it, my life, my house will still be standing. There will be storms. The foolish man, the Bible says, gives no thought. He just wants to build a house. Same labor, same effort, same cost, same material. Are you hearing me? And he builds his life in denial that there'll ever be a storm. Therefore, I do not need to consider its foundation. I don't need to consider anything of any threat, because I do not see danger. So because I don't see danger, I'll build my house on the sand. And Jesus makes it clear that the difference between these two people, what make the wise man wise, and what make the foolish man foolish, both have houses. Right. On, on any one given day, two good-looking homes. But one will crash and the other one won't. And the only difference between the wise man and the foolish man is a person who hears the words and the teaching of Christ. And because of that, they know there will be storms. And so because they know there will be storms, they don't just listen to the word of God, but they put the word of God into practice. They hear it and they obey it. The wise man sees danger coming, and does something about it. Come on, somebody say amen. So this word, I love this scripture in Proverbs 24, verse seven. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, you and I are the product of our thought life. Come on, somebody say amen. 
And so watch this, Luke 14, verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with, with 10,000 to meet the man who comes with them against him with 20,000. Or else while he is still, while the other is still a great way off, in other words, he sees danger coming. It's not here yet. He's got 10,000, but the other man coming against him has 20,000. And now look what it says. He does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. I just want to encourage us today to think about when was the last time you actually altered the course and the trajectory of your life or of your thinking or made a major decision out of wisdom because you saw something coming and knew it would be dangerous to you and you made a change of course. When was the last time you saw that? And let me ask you this. If you didn't, you saw danger coming, but you didn't alter your course, how many of us have suffered the consequences of not altering our course? I got my hand up. Anybody got their hand up? I can think of many times in my life, and I want to be a prudent man. So the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, I wonder how much we've given thought to our thoughts. I wonder how much, when it comes, the prudent man sees danger. So if you are thinking about not sinning, I don't want to do that sin. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Psychologists say a man's life takes him toward his most prominent thought. So if all you're thinking about is what you shouldn't do, I want to promise you all you'll end up doing is what you're thinking about. Come on, somebody say amen. And so it's not just in terms of just a sin, but it's also in our thinking. I wonder if we are conscious of, our, of, our, of needing to renew our mind. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing. I'm sure some Christians read it by the removing of their mind. We need to renew our thoughts. Listen to what God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I have all the time people ask me, Pastor, what do you think about this issue in, in, in culture? What do you think about this issue on abortion? What do you think about this issue on you know, education and schools. And I gotta tell you, who cares what I think? God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher. What we need to be doing is ask the word of God. What does the word of God say? Amen. I'm not so sure God thinks about my thoughts. I'm not so sure God even thinks about, cares about your thoughts. But if, it's not that we can't know the thoughts of God. It's not that we can't know the ways of God. But if we're going to know his thoughts and know his ways, we've got to elevate our thinking to know his thoughts and know his ways. Uh, a person who's living outside of God's word. Listen what Jesus said. If you hear these words of mine and you don't put them into practice, you're building your house on sand. It will look like a home. It will stand up like a home until storms come. But then it's too late because if you don't do something about it ahead of time, when the storm comes, your life won't stand. And I'm telling you, I see a whole lot of stuff happening in today's world where people have thoughts and have views and build houses and then the storm comes and their whole life comes apart. And I just want to encourage us today, when was the last time you saw something in your mind and you thought to yourself, well, if a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If I keep thinking this thought, I'm going to be in danger. I need to make a change to the way I'm thinking. I need to make a change to the decisions I'm making. Maybe even sometimes I need to change some friendships because these friendships are gonna bring me into danger. I've got the wise man sees danger coming and changes course. He takes refuge. He takes action. He does something about it. Can anybody say amen? 
Well, it's true in terms of your health and your exercise and your diet. It's true in terms of relationships. So the Bible says a shrewd man, a clever man, an astute man, listen to it, is somebody who sees danger coming. Listen to what it says about danger. Both wise and the foolish can see it, but they respond differently. How many remember an old TV show called Lost in Space? How many, okay, how many, put your hand up. Young people, look, fossils. <laughs> and do you remember, is it the Robertson family? Have I got it right? Yeah. And there was a robot in Lost in Space. Does any, I don't remember his name. Was he just called Robot? Very creative in those days with TV shows. And, and how many remember the robot, whenever there was danger coming, the robot with his two arms would go, danger, danger, danger. Some of us need a robot in our lives because sometimes we, there is danger coming and we need something or someone to remind us, danger, danger. All young people, you have no idea what, you're, what I'm talking about. You have missed out. That was back in the days when TV shows were different. <laughs> I was in Australia talking to a friend of mine. He's an airline pilot. And he told me this story. He was flying, um, you know, a, uh, a commercial plane um, full of passengers. It was Ansett Airlines. That airline doesn't exist anymore, um, sadly. It was a great airline. I lost a lot of frequent fire points when they went broke. And uh, <laughs> I mean a lot of frequent fire points. I still haven't gotten over it just by the way I'm talking about it. And uh, I, I remember talking to him. And he told me this story. He's an international pilot. And... In their cockpit, there's this computer system that if this voice comes out and tells you to do something, you can't second guess it, you can't analyze it, you must immediately do what it says. For if you wait, it could be catastrophic. And what it is, it's an avoidance collision system. And he was cleared to land at Sydney Airport, and unbeknownst to him, the tower had made a mistake and gave another plane permission to take off on the same runway and the same flight path as this plane. These are rare mistakes, I might add, and potentially very catastrophic. And he said, Steve, all of a sudden, this voice came out of the computer, turn left now. That's all it says, turn left now. He goes, had I said why, what's wrong, had I looked to see what was the danger, we would have had a crash. The moment I heard that plane talk to me, turn left now, I immediately grabbed the yoke and turned left. As that happened, another plane flew light past him. And of course, it became a big FAA incident in Australia. It was all looked into and it was a mistake, a genuine human error of the tower, and you know, that's, I always pray for, when I'm in an airplane, people always pray for a safe flight. I just go, Lord, help the people in that tower stay awake, give them coffee in Jesus' name. <laughs> Can I tell you, the word of God is your turn left now. And the word of God will speak to you if you're in the word of God. If you hear the word and obey the word, how many times has there been a turn left now where God gave you foresight if you don't change course, you're gonna end up in disaster. If you're not in the word of God, I don't believe you'll ever get those things. I wanna encourage us today to be people who are in the word, amen? You gotta, see, the Bible says, the prudent see danger coming and they do something about it. But the foolish man keeps going and he suffers the consequences. There was no time to react, there was no time to analyze it was a turn left now moment. I can think of many times in my life where God said to me, turn left now. And I had to immediately put his word into practice. And because of that act of obedience, God spared me from danger. Can anybody think of a situation, a time in your life when there was a turn left now? Look what the Bible says, Matthew 25 um, verse one. The, then the kingdom of heaven should be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. By the way, 
I think it's important for you to realize the Bible's very good at helping you and, a, you and I to identify wisdom and foolish behavior. And I think in a day and in a world where we don't like calling anybody foolish, the Bible is not afraid to identify foolish thoughts, foolish behavior, which bring damaging results. It says there were five wise virgins and there were five foolish virgins. Look what the Bible says. Now the five of them who were wise and the five who were foolish and those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Why were they foolish? Because they took no oil with them. Maybe it was heavy to carry. Maybe it was inconvenient to carry. Maybe they just didn't anticipate that the bridegroom might take longer than they thought and they might need more oil. Are you catching this? And so they took no oil with them, but the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps, but while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. So far, they're all, there's, they're all virgins. They've all got oil and they've all slept. The only difference between the wise and the foolish was how much oil they took. You catching it? And at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, no, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with them, with him into the wedding and the door was shut. And afterward, the virgins came also saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, I surely I say to you, I don't know you. Now watch, verse 13. Watch, therefore, for you know not neither the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. In other words, the foolish virgins saw they needed to have enough. The foolish virgins didn't think it was necessary to have it. They just thought, he'll come soon. And when the time came, because the bridegroom delayed, they didn't see that possibility. When was the last time you saw danger coming and you did something about it? Are you a person who is living in the Word of God and not just listening to the Word of God, but obeying the Word of God? I, I pray with people all the time. Pastor, pray with me. I've got all these financial problems. Do you know the first question I ask is, are you even a tither? I got very quiet. Because <laughs> I'll pray with you. And I'll pray for some miracle for God to get you out of this financial mess. But you'll be in another one. If you're not hearing the Word of God, acting on the Word of God, come on, somebody. Pastor, pray for me. I, my marriage is in all sorts of trouble. I will pray for you. I promise I will. But you might want to think about how you talk to your spouse because I can see danger coming. Pastor, pray for me. And I think about in, in terms of young people who are wanting to get married, don't just be in love with the idea of getting married. But you really need to make sure this person is worthy of you committing your life to them for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health until death do you part. So you need to make sure that you, I, I say it this way. People say, Steve has a rule about people who date. I don't have a rule. I have a wisdom principle. I think it takes four seasons to get to know a real person. I think four seasons over the course, it happens to be a summer, a winter, a autumn, and a spring. That's about 12 months. And I think to myself, you really don't know a person if you've just dated them for three months and marry them. Are you hearing? Now, I don't know how you meet them. Maybe you met somebody online. And someone laughed. <laughs> I know plenty of people who've met their spouse online. Yep. I, know, I know some stories where that's worked out really good. And I know some other stories where it hasn't worked out too good for them. Because you can hide any latent weakness for any amount of time from someone. But when you take someone through a summer, 
which is the sun shining, life is good. And you take somebody when they go through the fall, when all the leaves fall off, and there's no evidence of any fruitfulness, and you see how they're doing that season. And then you take somebody through the springtime when things are getting good again. And then you take somebody into a winter where it's barren in the natural. You get to see the whole person. So I say to people, young couples, don't be quick to jump to marriage. Give it four seasons. Why? Because the prudent see danger. Amen? And they do something about it. As a minister, I want to perform weddings with a high level of confidence that God can and will bless this relationship. Are you hearing me? So I would rather take the time here because of the length of time you're committing for life, I would rather be prudent. And if there's any danger, I need to know what I'm getting myself into. Poor Sharon, we dated for three years. I don't think poor Sharon, we dated for three years. But Sharon and I, when we first got married, uh, there were certain things we just didn't know about each other. I grew up in this really interesting Irish Catholic family. And I don't mean just Catholic, I mean Irish Catholic. And I don't just mean Irish Catholic. I mean, my uncle's a Monsignor, and my dad was in seminary to be a priest before he met my mother. And so they had certain Irish traditions that I didn't know were passed on to me. So in our house, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, all the men never did any inside work. No cooking, no cleaning, no ironing, ever. So I went from living at home to marrying Sharon. And so the first day I went to work as a newly married couple, I just threw my shirt over to Sharon and said, could you wind that, please? It came right back in my face. <laughs> she goes, you wind your own clothes in this relationship. I didn't see that danger coming. <laughs> and we had to work that out. We had to, you know, in our first year, she came from a family of one brother, very quiet home. She'd get home from school, milk and cookies, literally milk and cookies. <laughs> that was not my story. <laughs> I had two older brothers, two younger sisters. It was a frat house in the Kelly house. There were people coming and going. There were drunk. It was unbelievable behavior. Uh, when I first brought Sharon over to my house, I had to warn my two brothers, if you come out of your bedroom naked, I will hit you. You do, Sharon does not need to see this, but they wouldn't even think about it. They were, anyway. Uh, so the prudent see danger coming and they do something about it. Can I just help young people for a moment? Would you take some time to not just be in love with the idea of getting married, but would you be prudent as to consider your life, giving your life to someone that is forever? And I've seen the pain and the damn, and Charlie, our first year of marriage, we loved each other. I promise you, we loved each other. And we wanted to stay married, but we just didn't see how we were going to do it because we were so, so different. Listen to what the Bible says. They see danger coming. Listen to what David said. Even though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David's saying, I'm going to walk through some valleys. I'm going to walk through some tough times. I see danger coming. And because I see the danger coming, I'm going to make sure I'm walking through it. I'm not camping in it. I'm going to get through it in Jesus' name. Who's ever been discouraged? I want to encourage you. Today, I've discovered something about discouragement. Are you ready for it? It's a passing phase. You're going to walk through that. And maybe it says, even though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, everybody in this room has experienced the loss of a loved one. Can I remind you? It's just the shadow of death. It is not death itself. We will live for eternity. Come on, somebody. And I know this heartache, and I know this pain, I know this loss, and you are looking at somebody who's seen that in his own family, and sadness, and heartache, and grief. But I want to encourage you today, the prudent see danger coming and they change the course, but the foolish keep on going and suffer the consequences. The Bible says, Psalm 121 verse 8, the Lord will guard your going in 
and you're coming, you're going out rather, and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Can I tell you that God is with you in Jesus' name. The prudent see the danger and God is with you and you're going out and you're coming in. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. When was the last time that you actually saw danger down the road and changed the course of where you were going and you're thinking, when was the last time? And actually, I wanna encourage you, you saw the danger and you stopped and you changed course. And I wonder, has it been a while? The Bible says not only are the prudent able to see danger, but they take refuge. In other words, they do something about it. They change course. They make tough decisions. Isaiah 58, verse eight. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your, righteous will, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Listen to it. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Here's the thing. You gotta take refuge, but that doesn't mean you just sit down and disappear. You gotta keep moving forwards. You gotta change direction, but you don't stop. You keep going. And the Bible says if you'll just keep moving, God's glory will be your regard. That tells me God's got your back. Right. Amen. Amen. If you'll just keep moving in the direction that he's leading you, if you keep walking through the valley and don't camp in it, but you keep walking through it, then the Bible says you keep looking, keep your eyes fixed to Jesus, who was the author and the finisher of your faith, the glory of God. Listen, don't worry about your back. God's got your back. Amen. We have a windshield in our car that is way bigger than the rear view mirror. And you can't move life forwards looking at the rear view mirror. You gotta be make sure you're moving forwards. And I wanna tell you, if you will actually be wise when you see danger and you change course, you keep going, don't worry about what's behind you because the glory of God has got your back. In Jesus' name. I was in Philippians this morning in my own personal devotional life, and I was so encouraged when I was reading Paul, and he says, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind, and I press toward the prize and toward the goal. And I want to tell you, the prudency, danger, and they don't just stop and go, ah danger, and do nothing. They change course, and if you'll just keep moving forwards, God has got your back. You take refuge. Everything about the armor of God is frontal. There's nothing about the armor of God that is to do with what's behind you. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, come on, think about it, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your loins going about you with truth. Everything about the word of God is frontal. In other words, God's telling you and I, the prudent will see danger and they change course. They do something about it. We keep moving forwards. We don't get stuck. Amen? David knew when to run. He knew when to hide. And he knew when to fight. Listen to what the Bible says here. I love this. Actually, I'm just gonna tell you the two stories. I don't have time. There's two men in the Bible who I think are amazing because there's a time when you need to stand your ground. The prudent see danger and they do something about it. There's these two guys. One of them is called Eliezer and the other one's called Shama. And the Bible says when everybody else in Israel went and hid and fled and just saw danger and they went and hid, they just got out of there. See, you wouldn't want to be here. Shama and Eliezer saw danger and they saw how everybody else responded to the danger was exit stage left snagglepuss. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. These men saw danger coming and they did something about it. And the Bible says one stood on a field and he had a sword and he fought against every enemy that came against him fighting for his field. The Bible says his hand was he, he so hung on to that sword for so long and fought so many people that at the end of the day, they couldn't open his hand. His hand was frozen to the sword. That 
you got like locked jaw. This is your hands are locked. He fought for a field. There's another one, and he fought for a field of lentils. And I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking everybody else is gone, and all you're fighting for, because you see danger, and you're going to do something about it. All you're fighting for is a field of lentils. I'm thinking to myself, was it worth fighting for? He thought it was worth fighting for because he wants to hang on to the ground that God gave him. And I want to encourage you. Sometimes we see danger coming and we got to know what taking refuge looks like. Sometimes you got to fight for the ground God's given you. Sometimes we give up the ground God's given us. Oh, well, mustn't been of God. And we got to be people who are wise. The prudent see danger coming and they do something about it. The wise man just keeps on going as if there is no danger and he suffers the consequences. Come on, somebody say amen. Here's the last thought I want to give you. It says the simple man. And I wrote down different meanings of what the Bible called the simple man. It says the naive man, the thoughtless man, the unthinking man, the inexperienced man. Are you ready for this word? This is in the Bible. The stupid man. The foolish man, he sees danger, and what does he do? He keeps on going. He does nothing about it. And because of that, he doesn't change course. He suffers the consequences. He's punished. He pays the penalty. He's walked right into trouble, and he regrets it. I wonder if there's a turn left now experience happening to you. I felt the Holy Spirit encourage me. Let's be people in our lives that we can see what's in front of us and we can make the changes so we can do something about it and we don't suffer the harm. Write this last word down, I'm done. The torment of the temptation to sin is nothing compared to the torment of the consequences of sin. The torment of the temptation to sin is nothing compared to the torment of the consequences of sin. The prudent see danger. I can't afford to think these thoughts because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And what's in my mind today will be in my life tomorrow. The prudent see danger and they do something about it. They change course. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to actually be conscious of friendships and the effect these friends have on me. It's very quiet in here. You're good? Come on, every campus, you're good? I just felt like the Holy Spirit on this, what we would call normally the first, what is the first Sunday of the month? And I, I, I speak to all campuses that in our life, in your business, in your marriage, husband, wife, that relationship at work that you've allowed your mind to go somewhere it shouldn't go, you need to see danger coming. That temptation to just cheat at work, you need to see danger coming. Well, everybody else is doing it. The prudent see danger. And they do something about it. Can you say amen? Did you receive the word? Praise the Lord. Sometimes I've made decisions that made no sense to people in the natural. And I've left some people confused. Why did Steve do that? And then people speculate. But as a pastor, I've had to make decisions about seeing danger coming. And before anybody else saw it, I saw it and had to make a change of course. Are you hearing me? And sometimes it's not easy to explain. It's just something you saw. And because of what you see, you are willing to make a change of course to keep everything where God wants it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. Can I pray for people today? If that message spoke to you in every campus, come on, Norfolk, Seaboard, Richmond, Wilson, downtown uh, Richmond, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for everyone here. If that message spoke to you, just for a moment, close your eyes and bow your heads. And maybe you just know, just through this message, 
there's something in your life where you can see danger coming. And this is a turn left now moment. If that's you, I just want you, just before the Lord, say, Lord, I heard you. And I want you to lift your hand and say, Lord, I heard you today. This is a turn left. Now, that's it. Many people are lifting their hands in every campus, I'm sure. Just lift your hand. Father, I thank you that now we've heard your words. And let us be people who are wise. And let us be people who determine to build our lives on the rock. To build our lives on your word, hearing your word, receiving your word, and obeying your word. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. How many people here sitting here going, that's a good word for my future? In Jesus' name. I have no doubt because it's 4th of July and I'm wearing the shirt. I, I love reading about American history. When I first moved to the United States when I was 35, when I moved back to the United States, I lived here till I was eight and then moved and was taken to a strange land where I picked up a strange accent. But now I'm back in the promised land. I remember thinking to myself, I'm saying to Dr. Joe Monaco, Joe, I don't feel like I have a, a real grasp of American history. So I read every book I could, devoured. I couldn't tell you how many books I devoured, wanting to learn about American history. Here's the thought, and I want to close with this. Do you know, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were by no means friends. If you look at their life and the challenges and, you know, in that, and by the way, founding fathers, by no means friends. I mean, just made life miserable for each other. But do you know what I love? At the end of their life, they became the best of friends and wrote some of the most amazing letters. I've read some of the letters they wrote to each other. And these people who were really opposed to each other's point of views, at the end of their life, became close friends. And I'm just thinking to myself, don't ever judge something in its moment. Let God be involved. And did you know, just on the 4th of July, that both those men, if I got my history right, both those men passed away on the 4th of July. Not the same year, but both of them, was it the same? I don't think it was. It was just the 4th of July. And I thought to myself, these men just had such courage to see America to be where we have it today. And I thought the, the determination for them to live out their life and actually get to choose. And don't tell me people can't choose. My dad chose the day he would pass away. He chose. I, he set the whole thing up. I met a lady in our church called Beverly Burlich. She said, I will pass away on this day I just need to make sure you're going to be in town to do my funeral. And I, and I went, Beverly, you don't get to choose. He goes, oh, I, I've chosen the day I will die. And I've chosen the day I'll be buried. I need to make sure you're free. I said, Beverly, I'm available to do your funeral on whatever day you die. <laughs> and these two men passed away on the 4th of July. Anybody grateful for the freedom we have in the United States? Don't ever judge something in the moment. Don't ever, it's not over. I love what the Bible says, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. It doesn't matter what's the matter with the United States. The end of a matter will be better than the beginning. I believe America's best days are in front of us, not behind us. Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe that? I'm not worried about China. I'm not worried about Russia. I'm, I've got thoughts and concerns and I've got prayers. Don't misunderstand me. But the end of a matter will be better than the beginning. Don't get down that dark road. America's doomed. America's lost its way. The best is yet to come. Amen. Fourth of July wisdom. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray now, Father, that those that don't yet know you as Lord and Savior, those who are not yet a Christian, those who've never come to a saving faith and knowledge of you, I'm asking God right here, right now, you would touch their hearts.
Lord, I pray that they would lean into you. I pray now they would open their hearts and their life to you in the name of Jesus. Look at me now. Everybody in every campus, can I pray for you? You've never given your life to Jesus. You don't know what it is to be a Christian. Maybe a friend brought you to church this morning. I don't know how you came to be here. If you're watching online in any one of our campuses, can I pray for you? that Jesus would make himself real to you, that you would know what it is to be forgiven of your sins. You would know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus that is real and meaningful and powerful and life-changing. You ever thought to yourself, could I just start life all over again? You can. Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying is, you haven't lived till you met me. Life begins. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The thief, he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, and that's what the enemy's doing. He's ripping people off. But I want to tell you, Jesus comes that you might have life, forgiveness of sins. God knows the plans for that he has for you to give give you a future, to give you a hope, that you would lift your head high, that you would know that God is with you, that God's got your back, that God's in your future waiting for you to catch up. Could I pray for you today? If you say, Steve, pray for me. I'm not yet a Christian, but I want to give my life to Him. I want to get right with God. Maybe you once prayed a prayer, but you know today you're not living for God like you once were. Can I pray for you? The righteous, the wise see danger coming and alter their course. The foolish do nothing about it and suffer the consequences. This is a call from heaven. Come on. God loves you. God loves you. God forgives you. God has a plan for you. All over this building, if you'll close your eyes and you bow your heads and everybody online, on, on everybody online, if you want to make a decision to give your life to Jesus, all you got to do is click that button. And this is the last thing I'm doing before we close our service. If you say, Steve, pray for me. Steve, I don't know God as you speak of. Steve, I'm not yet a Christian. Steve, I once was living for God, but I'm away from God. And I see the danger that's coming. And I want to today get right with God all over the building, if that's you. If you say, Steve, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need to get right with God. Lift your hand right now all over the building. Lift it. That's it. God bless you. 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 Come on, keep lifting. I want to see your hand. Come on, keep lifting. I want to see your hand right there. God bless you. 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 Come on, who else will lift your hand? Give it a wave if I haven't seen it. I want to pray with you. That's it. God bless you right there. Church, can we give a lot of hand for so so many people? There's the piano getting loud. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. I ask you today to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I am now a Christian. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand.